Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Hi, Colleen. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Gracie, for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're excited to have you here and hear more about your journey. So tell me a little bit about your relationship to the military and how that's impacted you. So I am now uh, a, well, I guess I'm a veteran spouse now. <laughs> I was military spouse. My husband uh, was in the Army. He retired as a colonel. Um, and I met him, um, so I met him 21 years ago. So I, you know, he retired, um, I guess he retired just a few years ago. So, you know, I've been through a lot of it as well as my brother, um, was in the army as well. Uh, he went to West Point and my sister-in-law, um, went to West Point there with him as well. They were both in the army. Um, and my brother was unfortunately killed while serving in 2003. Um, so I know the military life well. We are an army family and um, I know the ins and outs of military life for sure. Yeah. Well, we're so sorry for your loss. and um, But thank you for all of the support you have in the military community and, you know, for the service of, you know, more or less your entire family. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's really neat because my oldest, um, really, really is interested in, uh, being in the military and kind of following in the footsteps. So it's a true Testament, even though we've been through some of the hardest times, um, I think it's such a good community. And, um, I think that service to our nation has just been woven into, kind of the fabric of my life. And I think that's why when I met my husband, I recognized that same kind of service um, background. So my mom is a teacher. My dad is a psychologist. So serving, serving our community and um, my oldest brother is a firefighter and my middle brother was in the army. And so serving again, others was always kind of something that it just was woven into us. And in fact, it's so funny. The other day I was talking to someone about how we do donate back to a portion of all of our proceeds from our product goes to the Stephen Siller Tunnel Towers Foundation, which helps um, give mortgage-free homes or smart homes if a military, any service member or police or fire are catastrophically injured or killed in the line of duty. And um, someone, I was talking to him about this amazing charity and someone said to me like, why do you guys, it's so weird. Like all of you military spouse or veteran businesses, you always get back. And I said, because even though you're done serving, you're never done serving. It's just part of it. And so, um, I don't know. I think I was just drawn to the protective instincts my husband has and anyone who's in the military has. And that kind of folds into what we created together. Yeah, and I think giving back is a huge part of the military community. Um, whether you're a spouse, a child, you know, an actual veteran yourself, like you're just inclined to find those ways to give back or find those ways to even, you know, just say thank you at a time that can say a lot as well. Yeah, I think people don't get it. It's kind of like in our ethos. It's just woven into, I think, of who we are. And I think, especially as the children, like I see it in my children, they grow up just knowing that and being thankful for anyone who is going to serve in any capacity you know, in our community, whether it's something small or something as large as, you know, serving our nation. But I agree. I think it's funny. People don't, people outside of it are always like, huh, you guys all kind of do that. And I think yeah. it's just, yeah, but it feels good. And it feels like we receive those thank yous. And it's nice to pay that forward, you know, and I think that's always um, such an, a way to honor, you know, what, what has been given to us. It's nice to be able to give something back to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's incredible. What is it like being a military mom, having to, you know, walk your kids through this journey that, you know, as children, we don't get to decide like, you know, we're going to be a military child or going to be a civilian child. You don't have that decision. And sometimes even as a wife, you don't have that decision as well or a spouse. So what is it like kind of navigating through that journey with your kids? 
That's such a good question. I never thought of it that way, you know, that my kids didn't get to choose that. That's so interesting. Um, I, you know, I knew when I met my husband, he was already in, so I knew the life and I, I did choose that. Right. And I chose that obviously in effect for my children, um, knowing that this was going to be their life for me. Um, it was, I think they are so much more resilient because they've learned how to handle change and transition, um, and, loss and adjustment and all of that. And I think they're going to be so much more, um, I think set up to be able to handle the real life instead of having just the same common stability. Um, but the biggest thing was the separation anxiety, you know, before leading up to a deployment, the stress of my husband being gone, just even just long training where he'd be gone and they would say, when's daddy coming home? Or then the worst part was when they just kind of got used to him not being here, which was always right. heartbreaking. It was really hard for him because when he would call home and want to talk and I'm like, they're little, they're just doing their thing. And, you know, and he, I think it was harder for him because as a, as a the person home, as the sole care provider, you're just in it and you're doing your job and you're like, I got to do 50 things. And you kind of fill that void, which is sad, but you have to. And then trying to make space again for them when they come back. And that, I think that readjustment um, transition back in was really, really hard for all of us and kind of figuring out. But I think my kids are so much more resilient um, uh, because they had to go through those things. And I see it with a lot of, you know, a lot of families where it's like, we just kind of get like, yep, I know what you're going through. And yeah, yeah, when we think of military kids, like the first thing that comes to mind is their resiliency um, and how much they've been through, whether it's just, you know, something as little as a training and whether that's a weekend or a month or a couple of weeks or whatever, you know, that time period or the moves or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, we always think of military children and we think of their resiliency and mm-hmm. that is something that's passed down, you know, from the service member to the kids, to the from the spouse to the kids, whatever that may be. And these children are just growing up in an environment where they're used to, you know, anything being thrown at them and saying, okay, well, I have been dealt this card and I have to, you know, make the best of it. I have to, you know, figure out how to... to navigate this journey of working through this. Yeah. Yeah. Completely, completely agree. And that's why like when during one of my husband's deployments, my youngest son was really struggling um, with that separation anxiety more so than my older two had been through. I mean, they all felt it and they all missed him. And we would have our little rituals that we would do to kind of keep him present and there. And so that, you know, knew that he was still with them, even if he was, on the other side of the world. But, um, my one son was like, my youngest was like, no. And that hit me really hard. I think that's so hard because I still had to do everything our normal routines, but it was, it was disrupting his sleep. And so when that started to be affected, it, you know, took a toll on us mentally and physically. And it took a real toll on my husband too, because he felt so bad and he couldn't fix it. You know, they just want to kind of come in and fix it. And he was so far away, couldn't fix it. And I was trying to be like, everything's fine, but he could tell that I exhausted and haggard and so worried about our son. Um, more than I was worried about what it was doing to me. And, you know, emotionally, I was really concerned for my son. And so I think that's something that we don't really talk a lot about is, you do have that. We are resilient. The kids are very resilient and you want to just kind of, it's okay. I can do it. And just, you know, kind of suck it up and move on. But there's times when it's okay to not be okay. And I think that's something that I didn't feel like anyone talked a lot about. And I felt bad. I felt like I was feeling as a mom and a wife and I had to like keep everything going for my husband. My husband felt horrible that he couldn't fix it. And my son was the worst. He was in fear every single night. And so I just feel like that's something that is starting to be talked about a little bit, but when it started happening 10 years ago to him, nobody was talking about it. There wasn't really any support or anything there. And I was like, there must be something we can do to help him. So I created it because I was just sick of feeling awful for everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard to, you know, keep that family connection while, you know, a loved one is 
across the world like fighting and you never know what's going to happen you're living in the unknown and you have to you know kind of find those ways and be creative on how to keep the family together when the family is apart and we only had one deployment Um, my dad only well that I remember he deployed once um, and that was his last deployment and he ended up being wounded on that deployment. So he ended up medically retiring. But during that deployment, what we kind of did was um, we got, it was going to be a 400 day deployment and I have one sibling. I have a younger sister. And so we got a big jar and we put 800 Hershey kisses in there. And so every night we'd get, you know, a little kiss from dad. And that was our goosebumps. (laughs) What a cute idea. That, you know, that was our way of, you know, we didn't get our kiss from dad, you know, because he wasn't there. So we had a little Hershey kiss instead. And, you know, eating, you know, the little kiss before bed was just something that we always looked forward to. Um, and then before he deployed, one thing that we did was um, we all took a family trip to Build-A-Bear. Oh, yeah. And we did, they had camouflage bears and they mm-hmm. had little um, military uniforms that we put on them. And we put the little voice box in there and he recorded a little message for us. Um, so that was another thing that we did. Um but it's hard to find those ways and hard to, you know, explain to a child, no matter the age, yeah. that, you know, their mom or dad or even at some point's brother or sister um, is going to be deploying and, you know, introduce that to them and explain that it's going to be okay and ways to cope with that as well. Yeah, I absolutely love those. Those are great stories. We did um, one of the Build-A-Bear ones and um, they would call it their daddy dog. It was, they chose a dog as a bear or something and they would listen to his voice and it was so sweet. Um, and that was for my older two, but my younger one, he, I think he just, I mean, I really think it was, it was like, he, I think he felt safe and protected when my husband was here. And when he Mm -hmm. was gone, he was missing his favorite protector. And he, he just, he had that one extra layer was, was gone. And I think he felt vulnerable and I, he's more prone to anxiety. I think because I think people with anxiety are more intuitive to the things around him. Um, I think often people don't get that, but if you have anxiety, you understand that it's, it's because you're really acutely aware of everything And, um, I think people assume it's something else, but for me, um, not only have I have a background in um, psychology, I was a school counselor and therapist at schools, but as, as a person who has struggled with it and as the person who has loved ones who struggle with it, it's because you're acutely aware of things and you're, you're very tuned into what if this, and, and then there's, there's that. And so I think he just felt that and he knew daddy wasn't here and that, meant he was in danger. He wasn't at home coming home every day. He didn't get to give the hugs and kisses. And so he then started to have just those, what if, what if this happens and what if that happens and how do I stop these worries? And it broke my heart to see him struggle with that. And as much as we were so proud of my husband and so, you know, wanting to be there for him, it's hard for the kids. It is. And I think that it's important to allow them to feel that and let them not just try to fix it and be like, you're fine. You're fine. You'll everything will be fine. But like, it's okay. You can talk through it. Let's talk about it. What is the scariest thing? What are you worried about? And identify those fears. I think for us. Um, and so for so many kids, as soon as he was able to identify what it was, was bothering him and say it out loud and get it out. It, it, took that huge fear and put it into something smaller and more manageable. And then we would brainstorm, okay, well, what can we do about that? And it started with just daddy being gone and feeling unsafe in his room in nighttime. But because as the cycle of worry happens, right, you get a worried thought and then you get a little physical response to it, a tummy ache, a headache, change in your breathing. And then that behavior change, avoidance behavior or fear that, you know, kind of comes in. And so for him, that cycle of anxiety just would spin a little bit. And once he learned to like get some breathing in there and regain control, it was so much better. And so 
often when I was in it, I never thought it would be something I'd be thankful for. But now I see him now that he's 14. I see him when he's struggling with something, he'll stop and do those same skills he learned along the way every time that he had struggle if my husband was gone or, you know, he was worried about something. And now he has those coping skills. So anxiety is no longer something that is a burden to him. It's something he deals with. He manages, he makes it small and moves on. Yeah, I think that is so important um, of figuring out those ways to manage and cope with your anxiety. And I think military children end up experiencing anxiety to a different level, especially like you were saying with those deployments and those fears of what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, or, you know, losing your protector, like things like that. And for me, um, when my dad deployed, it was the, okay, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? I spent like a week on the couch crying just because I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. I am a daddy's girl. So I was like missing my best friend. And my mom kind of just kept telling me, she's like, you need to just kind of get yourself together and you need to move on. Like we cannot be doing this for 400 days. Like you still have to go to school. We still have like the three of us here. Like you have these little things that you can do. And for me, a lot of that was crafting and finding ways to be creative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of how I, you know, got through most of that time. And then it was like the, okay, well, we can get through these things. And then now, you know, 10 years later from that deployment, it's like, okay, when I get anxious now, okay, I turn to things that are creative. I turn to crafting. I turn to, you know, just whatever it is at that moment. And so instilling those coping mechanisms in these children at such a young age really helps them even, you know, increase their resiliency as we go on. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And that, that is finding your outlet to kind of put that energy, you know? And so, I mean, there's that old saying where our energy flows, where our attention goes. So if you're just sitting mm-hmm. and attending to the worry and stressing, then that's where all of your attention is going to be in all of your energy. And you can't, you almost feel like you can't get out of it because it's right. just so big. And then if you have somebody help redirect a little bit into crafting or into go for a walk, whatever it is, playing a game, something, it lessens that and the energy can go and you can move on. I think that's such a great thing. I saw that with my middle son, he would do the same thing. He, well, he wasn't struggling at night. Um, when my husband was gone, he obviously was still feeling him and he would start collecting things and we would do crafts with it. And it was that same thing of like, get that energy into something great that you could create. And I think skill, man, it, it, it stays with you forever, you know? And I love that. And I think, like you said, the resiliency is not just, oh, well, I was a military child. Oh, you can, you handled moves or your dad was gone. It's like, yeah, but I learned lifelong skills that are going to help me when, you know, when my kids, my children are going to be parents and their kids are struggling. I know they're going to remember, oh, here's what I did. And it's going to help instead of saying you're fine, you know, which is kind of the old fashioned way of dealing with it. And I think what you did and what we were able to do with my boys, it's, it's a healthy, healthy way of, of handling that because anxiety is around us all the time. My goodness, the last yeah. you know year and a half hasn't taught us anything. It's right. You're vulnerable, and the world is is um, unpredictable, and you've got to learn to adapt to your current circumstances and not just sit and let that fear kind of take over and face everything and rise rather than forget everything and run. You know, is what fear can be. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think military kids in general, you know, we have, it can sort of feel like a stigmatism at some times of the word military brat, Yeah, but you know, it means so much more than what it looks like. And whether you look at it as born, raised and trained or, you know, bravery, resiliency, um, whatever words you might use for that acronym, it means so much more. And it means like, you know, being able to adapt to a certain situation or being able to, you know, take what you've learned. And, you know, like you said, when your sons become parents and, 
you know, even though if they might not have military children of their own, you know, they're able to take those life lessons that they learned as military kids and apply them to situations that may be similar. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, to me, from, from my family, they have learned so much. I don't know if they could sit and say now at teenagers, like, well, here's what I got out of it, but I see it. And I see in the way that they care for the flag or respect the flag because yeah. they've seen it draped over my brother's, you know, coffin and at his grave or the way that they go up to an older veteran and help them when, you know, we would be at a ceremony or the way that they go and thank someone, you know, for their service, because it really does touch them. And I think it shapes them into who they are. And while I chose it for them, I'm, I'm so thankful that that's the life that they had and experienced. And um, they're so proud of, you know, their dad's service. And, um, you know, they served along with him, as did I. And I think now there's such a great community aspect now where everyone's starting to recognize that you children do serve along and the spouses do serve along. And um, there's so much more, I think, an understanding. And I think there's so much more of an understanding from the military itself that that mission first mentality, if their mission is to succeed, their service members have to be doing well at home. Their, you know, their children have to be feeling comfortable and stable and their spouses have to be feeling supported enough. And so I think that's where you're starting to see so much more of a push towards that and recognizing um, the unique value that we can present to, to helping strengthen the service members. And um, yeah. Yeah. We're really starting to see that transition of, you know, while the service members and their service is still, you know, indescribable and so, you know, so important, but we're starting to see that service of the spouse and service of the kids. And that's not something that, you know, even 10 years ago was, was seen. Like we did not acknowledge that the rest of the family served as well. And so seeing that, you know, we're coming up on, I believe, eight years of my dad's retirement now. And so seeing that and seeing the next generation of military families come through and seeing, you know, how much more support that the families and the kids are actually receiving than rather than just the service members is incredible. It's neat to see. And I think it's because it's the generation, your children's generation and my kids who are like, okay, you know, when they're done and their parents are out and that it's the generation saying, okay, this is what, you know, we started to see a little bit when you guys were younger and now it's, yeah, I really agree. I agree. I think it's, it's wonderful. I'm so thankful. Um, so, so thankful because my grandfathers, both of my grandfathers served and there was no support, right. They served Mm -hmm. one of them. Well, they both served in world war II and, um, none of there was, they, and my great uncle and, um, they're, my goodness, you know, they called the greatest generation for a reason, but there was not for their spouses and their children, there was no support. Um, and so I really think that this generation is so lucky to have that. And the military is really adapting to it and recognizing that. And it makes me so thankful. Yeah. And, um, we're seeing that more and more military kids are actually more inclined to serve as well. Um, Of course, not every military child might feel that, but we're seeing a good population of military kids coming in to the service after their parents. And, you know, raising these military kids and showing them the support, I think, brings them in and draws them into wanting to join the military themselves as well. Yeah, you're right. It's a life that seems... um, possible of, you know, to be able to handle and have a family and not like, oh my goodness, we barely made it through that. Instead, it's like, we can do this. And I mean, my, I have uh, of our three boys, two of them really would love to, um, one of chronic medical conditions. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to, but he will serve in some way in any way he can, you know, and my one is since he was little, he's like, that's all I wanted to do because I think he, you know, he, he saw that it was a life that my husband enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I made it through and survived. He wasn't, it wasn't an uncomfortable situation for him. So yeah, I agree. I love that. 
Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur and what that has meant to you. It's so I was saying, I think at the beginning that people often say, you know, oh, what do you do? And I'm, I identify so much as a mom and a wife. I have a part-time job. I'm a softball pitching coach and stuff, but it's so funny that I have been on this entrepreneurial journey for 10 years. I was really reluctant entrepreneur. I did not come up with, I, I didn't grow up thinking, I can't wait. I'm going to create the next big thing. And this it's just, while there are so many amazing entrepreneurs who inspire me, who had that mission and drive. My background's in psychology, and um, it was not, I didn't take business classes in college, regrettably. Now I kind of wish I had. (laughs) (laughs) But I created a product, and I didn't create it for a product. I created it when my youngest son was really struggling. It was during my husband's deployment. He was missing his favorite protector, and night after night, he was up, keeping me up, and the bedtime routines would take longer and longer. And there was tears and like death grips holding on to me of not wanting to go to bed. And then I'd hear him run down my hallway and jump into my bed, scared, trembling and walking back down. And again, knowing the experience with anxiety and knowing that I was seeing it grow for him. I tried everything. And um, initially, I think when I was so tired, I tried like, you're fine. This is silly. And then I was like, this isn't that I can't just dismiss it, even though I'm overwhelmed and exhausted and needed that time alone. My children um, all have some sort of a special need. And I needed that just a few hours by myself was the only time that someone wasn't needing something from me physically. And um, as a military spouse, you know that you'd had to be your best mommy self the next morning. I couldn't be like, I can't handle it today because I had nobody to come in and help me out. Um, And so finally, one night after this had been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, one night after being up so many times, I thought, okay, I need some help. What do I do? What do I do when I can't sleep? Because I have had anxiety and I've learned how to handle it and cope and manage. And I was like, I have, you have to give that up. You have to redirect and you have to have something to put that energy to and not just let it cycle. And so I dressed up one of his bears the next morning. And I said, this is your brave night. And he is such a brave night. He is going to stay on guard tonight while you sleep. And before you go to bed, we're going to give him all of your words. And we're going to give it up to him and we're going to let him know. And my son loved it. He was like, finally, woman, where have you been? You <laughs> this is a thank you. Finally. So he loved it. And so he would tell every night is brave night. Here's what bothers me. I'm worried about daddy. You know, something as big as that to the smallest. Okay. What if one of my nightmares comes in? I'm afraid of dinosaurs or monsters coming into my room. Something he saw on TV scared him. And what if it's under my bed and daddy's not here to help me? He loved knowing the brave knight was there to help him. So then we created, um, it just kind of grew from there. And even as my husband came home, he loved sharing with him. My husband helped us create our little projecting flashlight. So it's like a view master, it's like pink or blue and it shines, um, it's a little wheel and has eight images and it shines these eight images of the brave knights. Um, and you can put it under their bed or in their closet. And it was the whole idea of clearing the room. So every night they would give up their worries to their brave night. And then they loved the idea of clearing the room. They felt like daddy. They felt brave and strong. And instead of being like overpowered by those fears, they were then empowered to control them. And that made them feel so brave. And then they'd wake up. My boys, both my boys, my little ones at the time, um, our older one was older, but our little two left it. Even my middle one wasn't scared, but they'd wake up in the morning and be like, we did it. We slept all night. And they felt so proud of themselves. And I could see them kind of handle life's problems a little bit easier because they had coping skills, right? And they felt like it was an idea of, I could do this, not I'm overwhelmed by it. Um, And so for years, I just made it for friends and family. Again, I was a reluctant entrepreneur and my husband would come home every day and be like, you should really do something with this. And fear oddly enough, held me back. Cause I thought, well, I, I'm not a business person. I'm not, I'm, I'm, that's not who I am. And, and, um, and I just felt like I would, wouldn't be able to succeed with it. And then finally he came home and had printed off a picture of this um, really successful military spouse entrepreneur. And she was speaking near us and he was like, you should go talk to her. And I thought she'd have nothing to say to me. I'm, I'm just a mom. I'm nothing. And, and, um, I was too, uh, like, I guess afraid. And, um, so I put that picture and I kept it by my desk. And then finally I realized, um, my brother died at 30 and he was audacious and bold and 
brave. And his last actions alive were saving hundreds of civilians he'd never met in a country that wasn't his own. And he did it because that's how he lived, right? He lived big and he swung for the fences and he never gave up. And I thought, you know, I'm wasting life, a a chance of trying something to swing for a fence because I'm afraid that I might fail at it. And I was like, that's not the message I want to, that's not the message that I want to teach to my children. That's not the life that we live. And so I thought, oh, we're going to try it. And we did. And here we are. (laughs) So. Wow. That's incredible. And, you know, sometimes it takes those, those seconds where you're like, okay, well, you know, in your case, my brother was brave, so I can be brave or, you know, whatever the case may be. And you have to step out of your shell a little bit and any entrepreneur, any business, um, anything, you have to to take those moments of bravery and say, okay, this might fail. This might do really well. We're just going to try it, see where it goes. And, you know, maybe it'll help someone. You know, that was my journey with the podcast. My mom mentioned it to me and I said, um, no, (laughs) like, you know, that's not something that I would want to do. And then, you know, thinking about it and thinking about it. And then it's like, well, here we are a couple months later and, you know, helping other people. And so it's like a similar situation of you have to be brave. You have to take that first step. You can't just, you know, slowly ease into it. You you really have to just dive into it and, you know, see where it goes from there. Yeah, I agree. And I know you know that. I was thinking of that same thing because that's a, this is a bold move when you're doing and brave and you do. You just have to be audacious and say, I'm going to do it and whatever happens. And I think I needed to wait too for my kids to be at the age where I felt like I could, um, I knew what it was going to take and what it was going to entail. And I wanted to make sure they were okay. I didn't want to have that experience where I was sacrificing the time they needed um, with me. Right. But it is, it's that bravery step. And I always tell people in the beginning when I would talk to people about wanting to make this product, I was very like methodical about like, I want to talk to everybody. I want to see anyone who's done this before or created a business or started something. And it was hard. I'd never met. I never was able to talk to anyone who had created a product. You know, we brought, I wrote a book, a children's book to a company or Magic Order Brave Nights. Um, I have the book and the Sweet Teddy Bear and our projecting flashlight. We created these from scratch from nothing. And I had never met anyone who had created a product and brought it to life and brought it to market. Um, But the people that I had spoken to in business were often um, older men and they would kind of paint this terrible picture that this doll was going to become like Chucky and ruin my life and be horrible. And (laughs) like, don't do it, don't do it. And I never met another military spouse entrepreneur until my husband had brought home this um, Stephanie Brown from Rosie Network. And I was too, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, I, I wouldn't talk. She's so amazing. I silly. I wish I would have talked to her back then. Um, it would have been a different story, but I now have connected with her. And uh, I think if I had met another military spouse and and saw like all of the things that they go through and as a, as a mom and a military spouse that make me a successful entrepreneur, I think I would have felt better. And so now I surround myself with other military spouse entrepreneurs because it's amazing. All those skills of adapt, improvise, overcome, pivot, change. Okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And the project management skills that come with my husband brings to our business from the, the veteran side of things. It's amazing. And I think we probably are the best entrepreneurs out there because we always, that's just our life, right? Nothing is ever comes as easy as, as, as it could. And so, um, I think those daunting challenges that come my way now, I'm uniquely equipped to handle them. Um, and I wish I would have recognized that years ago. I think it happened when it was meant to happen and when I was ready for it. And I think when the universe was like, now is the time. And, but I, I would send the message to anyone who's listening. If you have an idea of starting anything and trying it, do it. Do it. Do not let fear hold you back. Try it. And if anyone, I'm so open, reach out to anybody, come contact me because I will give you any advice you want on this. I wish I had someone who would say you can do it. Um, And it took my husband's support and me just saying, okay, I'm going to do it. And now it's my message. I try to tell any, any, especially woman entrepreneur, you got this, you can do it. We can do hard things. We do it every single day. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, just that message of 
I mean, we can do hard things. Like it applies to so many, so many different circumstances. And, you know, starting a business is a hard thing. Starting, you know, any sort of journey where you're stepping into those roles of an entrepreneur and, you know, trying to start something from the ground up is hard. And, you know, many people don't go to school to go to college saying, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like it takes some time thinking about what you actually want to do and what, you know, your goals are for something. And so it's hard to be an entrepreneur, but not have that education background of how, you know, the logistics actually work or how to, you know, start a business. Like, you know, I am a health science major and, you know, I added a marketing minor on now, but, you know, it is, it is hard trying to figure things out. Like, you know, I haven't started my minor yet, but, you know, I'm learning so many things in the health field and so many things in, you know, anatomy and medical that I love and that, you know, I want to use in my life. But then it's like, okay, well, I have this and I want to succeed with this as well, but I don't have the background. So it takes that dedication to research and to learn and to, you know, reach out to other people and say, hey, I need help. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. And I think of that all the time. I just wrote a blog the other day about that, about our mental health as we're trying things new and and doing different things is that, you know, you can do hard things. I think of that. Um, I, I have a postcard right here with me that says you can do hard things and I keep it with me every single day right yes. on my desk to remind me, you know, my husband left when I, we brought our son home. He was in the, um, our middle son was in the hospital when he was born for, I don't know, a week and uh, maybe nine days. And um, we brought him home and he left three days later. I had to be induced to have him just to make sure that he could be here um, during the birth. And our oldest son had just broken his right arm. And so I'm recovering from having a baby who had been sick, who was, a, a you know, lot to take care of. My older son has a broken right arm where I'm having to do everything for him. My husband was gone. And I was like, there were days where I was like, I can't do this. And I reminded myself, yes, you can. It's one step, one step in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And so that you can do hard things message is something that it's my favorite mantra. And I tell myself that every day. And I tell my kids that, and they're so funny. I always say to them, you know what? And they're like, yep, we know we can do hard things. <laughs> but I'm like, you can. And um, good for you for getting a marketing um, minor. I wish I would have. I have learned so much from this journey. I mean, from the logistics to the trademarking, to the legal aspects, to the social media and the marketing. And I, I, you know, it is my husband and I that run this business. And so we have really learned so much. It's amazing. I think back to the beginning stages and I'm like, I, every day it's, it's a, a real learning curve. And then I'm like, Oh, Oh, I know how to do that now. Easy. Let me hop on here. But I reach out to other people who've done it already. And everyone now I love the military spouse community. It is, it is my favorite. It's my place where you feel accepted and understood. And you can say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. I need help. And, or I'm not doing okay with this. What do I do? And someone's like, Oh, let me help you. Let me connect you with someone. And I love, that's my favorite thing. So yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, starting a business, no matter what is a learning curve and you have to, you know, be able to ask questions, be able to learn things. And I think especially right now and living in the world that we are, I think social media is a huge thing. And that is like, we all know how to use Instagram. Like we all know how to use Facebook or whatever. And then trying to grow your audience on social media is so, so intense. Like, you know, on my account, I don't use hashtags. I don't, you know, I just post a picture, maybe write a little caption and move on. But then when it comes to the podcast, it's like, okay, well, you have to use certain hashtags. You have to, you know, tag people. You have to make your page look aesthetic. And it's hard to figure out everything and all the logistics that play into it um, and learn just social media. And it sounds like the silliest thing, but it's so true. I 
you're preaching to the choir. I completely, <laughs> I said to my husband, so I am in my forties. So I did not grow up with this. Right. So we had Facebook and I was, you know, in my, I don't know, I guess I was in my thirties when I started, but not, not it. So an Instagram for personal, like you said, it's easy and it's fun and it's a way to connect and interact. But I always, the one of the biggest reasons why I really struggled with this was I wanted to make sure that while I knew it had to be our, our um, feed and our social media had to be aesthetically pleasing and have the hashtags and the connections, I wanted it to feel authentic to me mm-hmm. as to who I am. And I wanted it to feel authentic to this sweet is not a product to me, but it really is something that brought sanity to my life. And I didn't want it to ever feel like I was, um, it's just unauthentic to who I am, like a sales kind of push. It's like, this is a, this is something that helped me. And this is something that's helped so many people, but it's the stories. And, you know, I, I think that's how our feed always has been is it's the stories and the stuff behind it and the tips and here's how it can help you. And that is really, it's really hard to find that balance of like, are you going to be successful and push it, but are you going to also still stay um, true to who you are and who your business are it is? And there's some accounts that I follow that don't follow that and are tremendously successful, even though it feels more salesy, but they're wildly successful. And there's some that are very authentic in who they are. And they're also wildly successful. I think it's just finding that balance for you. Um, and it can feel, I think that's why it's so important that we've always done it. Like, even though I might have someone help me schedule and, and curate things, it's my messaging. It's my voice. It's my content. Um, that goes out there because I think if I outsource that and had somebody where I wasn't having a hand in it, I don't know how. And I think some companies have to when they get big, but luckily we have been able to be where it's like, this is what I want this to feel like and look like for our sweet little Sir William. He's so important to me. He really is like another child because he brought so much peace and sanity and sleep back to my life. I think something that's so important too is sleep and people don't talk about it enough, but I think one good thing to come out of the pandemic, which is a weird thing to say, weird sentence, but is that I think we're recognizing that connection between our mental and our physical health. And if our mental health isn't doing well, then that really affects our physical health. And sleep is the first thing to go when you're struggling with something mentally. And that's the thing that the quickest way to draw down your physical reserves is by not sleeping. Um, And so I really wanted this to feel like a resource for people, not a sales kind of push. And so that's, that's my mission is to make sure that it feels magical and whimsical as he is in the sweet little land that he lives in. Um, but also a resource for people. And for yeah. <laughs> yes. I think it's so, so incredible and, uh, so incredibly important to keep it true to who you are and to not, you know, you're trying to sell a product here, but you don't want it to seem like, you know, fake or not who you really are. And I think that keeping it, you know, between you and your husband and maybe, you know, outreaching to a few people, you know, it's so important that it stays small. And that's something that's hard when it gets big to, you know, keep that small dynamic of, family, you know, and that's even how we are running this. Like my sister does all my digital design. My dad edits everything. My mom helps with outreaching and ideas. And I do, I do a lot of like, you know, the Instagram, the YouTube, obviously recording and things like that. And it's so important to just stay true to who you are and stay true to, you know, the original mission. Like, I love that. Yep. you know, helping kids cope with, you know, whatever struggles they're going through and staying true to that of, you know, not letting, you know, necessarily the fame get to you of this is so huge now. Like, let's just see, you know, what we can get from this, but keeping it true to the original mission and keeping it true to yourself. I love that. I love that it's a whole family uh, affair for you. And that's how it is here. And for me, I, I completely agree. We only have been, we've been lucky enough to only um, work with a military spouse or veterans. Um, that is, I'm hoping we can keep that going as we grow. That is our main mission. Um, just because I think 
we have such unique skill set and um, work so hard and everybody kind of understands it. So I'm, I'm been so thankful that anybody we contract with um, has been a military spouse or a veteran, which is really neat. But when I started this, my boys always looked up to my husband and thought he obviously they were so, so uh, impressed with him and loved his stories. And daddy was just the best. And they were in awe of him and and proud of him. Um, and for me, I was a mom and they loved me, obviously. But that sense of like, wow, mom pride. I didn't get, even though I did everything. And as a mom, it's a thankless job often. That's not why we want to become a mom so that you have kids that say, geez, mom, thanks so much for that fantastic, you know, lunch you made me today. <laughs> it's just that dinner was so wholesome and healthy that we never get that just fine. Right. But when I created this and we first had our product arrive here, it was on our driveway. This big truck came in and my boys are helping. We're unpacking. My husband and my boys are unpacking these boxes and boxes and we opened it up and we saw it. And um, my one son looked at me and he was like, mom, this is really cool. And I was like, I like started to tear up. I was like, I've never had that moment, right? I've never had that moment where my boys were able to say to me, wow, like, look at what you've created. I mean, their whole life, I'd look at them and be like, look at what I created. I created these little lives and I'm keeping them alive. And like through all the struggles and all the medical and the mental and the stress and all that, I'm keeping guys alive. I always had that with them. And they always looked at my husband and be like, wow, look how cool what you did. And when I created this, uh, it's a, I mean, I'm still tearing up now thinking about it. It's a moment that um, I never thought, it never was something I thought I was missing. It was never something I thought I would ever have. And when it happened, it it so far has been the neatest thing. I love hearing the stories of how Sir William helps children and they get their sleep back and the parents send me their emails or texts or, you know, Instagram message me. And But uh, that moment of my son on our driveway, uh, I think that's my favorite one so far. I think that'll stick with me. And that's what gets me through the hard days of this entrepreneurial journey is uh, I got to show them you got to, you can struggle and you can have successes and you can have failures and you got to get back up, you know, you got to get back up and then you got to learn how to change and adapt. And I think that's the important life lessons. And I think that's what you're learning as you're doing this and your parents, it's really cool that you get to be involved with it. I absolutely love that. It makes me so happy to hear I hope to see my person. Yeah. It's definitely an insane journey of, you know, starting something and then, you know, watching and, you know, trying to balance everything, you know, I'm being a military spouse and, you know, everything piles up. And then like on my end, I have like full-time college student. I have a job. I'm volunteering. I'm doing the podcast, like everything, you know, everything stacks up and it can seem so hard some days, but seeing how it pays off, how it helps people. It's so incredible. It is. It's that's what gets you through. Yeah. The other night I had a mom text me, um, or message me and she said, my husband was just she's a military spouse. And she said, my husband was just putting her daughter to sleep. And I heard her say, daddy, I love my brave night. He protects me even when you're here, but especially when you're gone. And I was like, Thank you for sending that to me. Like, that is why she was like, I knew you would like it. I'm like, this is what I needed to hear. This is why I do it, to know that you're helping people um, and making a difference. And that's what it feels good to like, give back a little and help and, and create something that will be a resource for someone. I love that. Yep. Yeah. I feel that. That's awesome that you're doing this at such a young age. It's so impressive. <laughs> I, I definitely would not have had that uh, wherewithal to do it at your young age. I absolutely love that. That's pretty cool. And I think it's probably because you grew up with that resilience. Yeah, yeah, I really do. I think that's like part of it because uh, I think you learned you can do hard things at a much younger age. Yeah, that's so cool. Yes. And it's just so incredible, you know, hearing everybody's stories on how things form and, you know, how, you know, even other military kids get through these struggles and these these trials that they may come across and, you know, military children end up becoming so successful too. Um, I always point to Shaquille O'Neal just because he went to the same school. He graduated at the same school I was at for a year in Texas Um, and they retired his jersey while I was there, Um, (laughs) which is really cool. cool. So I've been in the same room as him before. Um, That's cool. But, you know, like there's so many. That's just one example. There's so many 
military kids, military spouses, military um, veterans, service members that are that become so successful. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the the life you know the life we lead, and I think it's that ethos of giving back and helping others, and that never give up mentality. I I agree. This is my favorite community for sure. Yes. People, my people. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And I think, you know, just keeping that mindset of giving back and giving back and, you know, helping and encouraging makes a huge difference along the way. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your journey and sharing about your entrepreneurship journey as a military spouse as well much for having me. And if anyone's interested, uh, you can buy our product, Magic Order Brave Nights, on our website, magicorderbravenights.com, nights with a K, like a a medieval night. Um, You can find them also on Spousely, which is another military spouse uh, amazing uh, platform. It's kind of uh, like an Etsy, but for military spouse entrepreneurs. Um, Or we also sell on Amazon. That's incredible. And good luck to you and your business and watching it grow. Thank you. You too, Gracie. I'm so impressed with you. Keep on going, girl. It is very impressive. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.